RadioInfluence.com. Hey gang, welcome to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast presented by Contender Boats. Today we're going to be talking with my good friend, Captain John Rivers, Rivers to Bay Fishing Charters, good friend of mine, really looking forward to getting him in on the podcast. Interesting guy. He started guiding in the Panhandle, now guides here in Tampa Bay. Should be a good one. Take a listen. Hope you enjoy it. Joining me today, my very good friend, Captain John Rivers. John has a very unique story, uh, in my opinion. It's it's really unique, and it's it's kind of different. I know, John, you're not the only one that has done it, but I, I do believe that it's kind of interesting in the fact that I don't think a lot of people have done what you've done, but to start your guide business, start your guiding, your charter fishing in the panhandle and then in kind of midstream there kind of got your groove going in the panhandle and then up and move your business to florida especially to tampa bay where there's so many anglers and it's such a congested fishing area uh really interesting to me so i definitely want to talk about that a little bit and uh and dive into it that had to be a little scary for you very scary (laughs) very scary yeah uh, yeah very scary to say the least when i first came down here I spent about eight months or so learning the water and before I ran my first guided trip and there were many days I'd go out on Tampa Bay and I'd come back, you know, not catching any fish uh, just because I didn't know the areas, you know, where, how the tides worked and, you know, the moon phases down here because up in the panhandle, it's a totally different tidal situation. And, uh, you know, there'd be days I'd go out just scouting and then there'd be days I'd go out when it was low tide and high tide and that type of thing. Yeah. It's not an easy body so, uh, of water, not an easy body of water to, to get to know in general, because Tampa Bay is such a big estuary. Um, and, and, and lead me a little bit, John, what, you know, now that you've been doing it for a little while, how many years you've been guiding total? I know it's more than 17. How many years you've been over guiding? 17 so over 17, um, you know, I, I caught the bug fishing when I was a little kid uh, in, in southern Indiana. Uh, I grew up and, uh, you know, bass fish, bluegill, crappie, that kind of thing. I got introduced to it when I was real young, and it was my safe haven. Um, it was a place I could go to, uh, be by myself. And, you know, I was raised by a single mom for a while, had a couple of stepdads that weren't the coolest people in the world. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I wanted to... Uh, you know, I needed a place to get out and get my mind right sometimes. And fishing always seemed to be that calling for me, and I loved it. And then I found my second calling, which was the gym. I became a gym rat like a lot of guys. And uh, those are the two things I loved. Uh, if I wasn't fishing, I was at the gym. Well, both of those uh – both of those work for me as well, so that's interesting. We uh, that might be why you and I get along so well. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, you're military. I'm military. Yeah. I was going to say uh, ex U.S. Marine. How long were you in the Marine Corps? Well, I was in. I was. Um, that's a neat story too. Um, I actually uh, dropped out of high school. A lot of people don't know that, but I did, and I went back. Um, I'm a high school dropout that went back. Nice. And uh, yeah, yeah, went back. I met my wife on a blind date when I was 17 years old and I was actually out of high school, beautiful red hair, green eyed woman. And, uh, we started dating for a while and she said, you know, I like you a lot, but I want you to go back to school. And I said, okay. So I went back to high school and in between my junior and senior year in high school, 
I joined the Marine Corps. Wow. And I went in the reserves. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. And I actually went to boot camp during my summer of my junior and senior year in high school. Wow. And which is really neat. And I turned 18. I came back and I wasn't the greatest student in the world. You know, I, like I said, I grew up in kind of a broken home environment, you know, a uh, single mom, you know, not really a true street kid, but you know, I mean, you know, there was a couple stepdads that weren't the coolest little alcoholism involved. Right. And I wanted, and I saw, and, uh, I guess it's kind of like, there were two different train tracks I could have took in life. And one of them I could have took and leaded me down the wrong path or one of them could have, you know, I took and leaded me down the right path. And I guess I had a halfway good shoulder, you know, had a head on my shoulders and I took the right path because I went back to high school. Um, I joined the Marines and, you know, I, I was always that guy that tried to push myself, no matter how big that hill was that I had to climb, I kept just pushing and pushing. I was like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Well, it's, it's, and, uh, it's fared well for you again. You know, that might be why you were able to conquer two estuaries and, and, you know, become a very good established guide in, in two of the tougher fisheries in the entire state. Right. Right. So, yeah, you know, so I, you know, I, I, I got, I, when I came back, when I came back from the Marines in the reserves, I actually missed the first couple of weeks of school, uh, at my high school and the principal knew what I was doing. We approved everything and got it all approved. And here I am, a, a Marine in the reserves finishing up high school, wow. <laughs> which is, isn't done very well, you know, I mean, and I, it was, I went from not the greatest student in the world to, you know, getting, you know, A's and B's my senior year. It changed me that much. I grew up 18 years in 15 weeks. That talks about it was probably one of the, it, it, it lends itself. It's interesting to me because that you're dating yourself a little with that because I, I don't imagine you can even do that anymore. They probably don't even let you, uh, in the door without your high school diploma anymore. So, uh, that's interesting. No, it, I had to have, I had to have so many credits. Oh, I got uh, you. It wasn't a high school diploma. Yeah. You okay. had to have so many credits in high school before you could get into the Marines. And, um, at least that's what the recruiter told me, you right, know, right, right. Uh, yeah, I was, you know, and that kind of thing. And as long as I had so many credits, you didn't even have to have a GED. I don't think, uh, I don't know, but that's how it worked out. I nice. went in and then I went back to high school or maybe I had to, I don't can't remember if it was, I, I think it was, I had so many credits and then I had to go back to high school and finish my diploma and I got it. That's an interesting story. Then I went to college. Very similar. Yeah, then I went to college. Might be a little similar to my story, you know, because I wasn't a very, I wasn't a very strong student and, uh, I went in the air force to, uh, keep my father from killing me. And, uh, because I was a little bit of a knucklehead, supposed to go to school and play some basketball and just never really, never really did good on the school side. So that whole growing up uh, in just a couple of weeks thing, uh, I fully understand it. It's amazing what basic training will do. I'm not fully opposed to all young men and women having to spend a little time in the armed forces just to uh, no, not at all. straighten, I mean, it's not straighten for up our country. But it, it was definitely for me. I needed it. You know, I was a knucklehead. I, you know, I always I told my too. dad, my dad and I, formed a very good relationship later on in life. And that's because I finally matured. Right. And, you know, I always tell my dad, if I could just go back in time and kick myself in the butt, <laughs> right. you know, and, and talk to that young man that just didn't have his head on straight. He tried, but he didn't have his head on straight good enough to where, you know, but then again, would I go back and change a whole lot? No, because it's who it's what made me who I am today. Yeah, for sure. And it's why we end up, I always, I often say that too. Had I, 
had I studied a little more in high school and went on to play college basketball, I uh, I probably wouldn't be here in Florida doing what I'm doing. So, you know, I met my wife here and, you know, we've got daughters who live here and it would just be, it would, it would just be different. So there's no reason to go back like that. Let's talk about the fishing a little bit. Uh, as we said, guiding for over 17 years now. Tell me some of the differences. What are the biggest differences between fishing up there, Pensacola, the Panhandle area, and then Tampa Bay? What were your biggest hurdles that you had to overcome making the transition? The biggest hurdle was learning your tidal flow because down here you can catch a lot of fish in the heat of the day compared to up there. I wasn't understanding when I first moved here, well, how come we're catching fish at 1 and 2 o'clock in the afternoon and up in the panhandle? You just didn't because they had 12-hour tides there. It wasn't 2 and 3 and 4 tides a day like it is here. So you fished primarily up in the morning. Did your morning trip from 5.30 to 10 or 10.30 at the latest, typically in the summertime or even in the spring or whatever. I was off the water by 10.30, 11, and I'm done for the day wow. unless I had a second trip. Right. And then the second, the second trip, and it was all artificials. I didn't throw any live bait in ever unless I was using shrimp for sheephead. Everything else, I was a big artificial guy up there. I did the nearshore stuff when I first started guiding up there. I did the king mackerel and the nearshore snapper and that kind of thing. But I found out I get a little seasick Uh and I didn't want to beat my body up. And I said, you know what? I'm going to concentrate more on bass fishermen that come visit the panhandle on vacation with their families that are used to throwing artificials. I'm from the north. I like to throw bass lures and stuff like that. Why don't I target my business like that. And that's what I did. And it took a couple of years. I kind of did what like CA Richardson did, but you know, I didn't get the TV show and, and all that kind of <laughs> thing, but I did what he did is I stayed with artificials and I was primarily one of the only, maybe there might've been two or three other guys, but I was out of 12, 15 guys that were there. There was only a few of us that threw nothing but artificials. And I was one of them. 12 or 15 guides. How nice would that be? God, instead of 12 12 or 1,500 like we have here in Tampa. Wow. Well, there's a lot more up there now from what I hear. But when I first started uh, 17, 18 years ago, there was just a handful of guides. Pensacola wasn't a real big place. And and how I got into guiding, I didn't even plan on becoming a fishing guide. I loved fishing. I I enjoyed it a lot. I went to school to be, uh, my first major in college was nursing. I went to school to be a teacher. Now, how weird is that? When I wasn't good in school, I wanted to be a teacher. And the reason I wanted to be a teacher is I love sports. I wanted to coach and I wanted to work with kids that came from broken homes and had problems adapting in school and stuff that because I could say, hey, I have been there. You can make it out. You can do it. You could relate. You know, if you just try hard. I can relate to them, right. you know, and I wouldn't, and I, you know, I, you know, I was not afraid to tell my story. You know, I, I'm, I'm not embarrassed that I dropped out of high school. Right. You know, right. Right. I went back, I overcame it. You know, if you have any, you know, don't be embarrassed about things you mess up on, learn from them. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No, my story, like I said, it's funny because my story is kind of similar, you know, big time high school basketball player with, uh, you know, ADHD and issues with school and everything else and somehow you know between the good lord and the military and my father keeping his foot in my keister we uh we made it through and and made it out all right so that's all good stuff so what let's let's go going back 
go ahead. I want to. I want to go back to go this. Back to the fishing. Yeah, I want to go back. I want to go back to the artificials in the panhandle. I mean, what did you what what did you throw the most of up there? I mean, what is it that they target? I mean, what's are, are you deep water red fishing where you've got to use you know heavy bucktail jigs? Are you you know fishing shallow? I really want to know because the one time I fished up in Pensacola at an IFA uh, championship I was at, we did terrible. <laughs> we did terrible, and I've never. I always told people, yeah. I've told many people, if you can catch fish in Pensacola, you can catch fish anywhere because it's a very, very difficult fishery because of the way it's designed and um, how small it is with the pressure. Now, of course, it, you know, you can go catch, uh, you know, redfish on docks with live bait, uh, shrimp and cut and cut mullet and finger mullet and that type of thing. Um, but the way Pensacola is designed, the intercoastal waterway, which is the ICW that runs from all the way from Mobile past Destin, Florida. That's the ICW, and they get a lot of traffic through there with uh, barges. Right. And then, of course, it goes through the different bays. So Pensacola Bay from from north to south is probably about seven or eight miles long. And from the boat ramp that I used to launch out of Shoreline Park to Pensacola Pass was nine and a half miles. From the boat ramp to Pensacola Pass was nine and a half miles on the dock. Wow. So I know how far that is. And that's not very big. So think how small that is and how big Tampa Bay is. You could fit seven of those in Tampa Bay. Yeah. <laughs> or more. That's you know, and it was deep though. The nice thing about it is certain times of the year we're catching red snapper in Tampa Bay. Uh in November, starting right at the last week of October, right around Halloween, all the way into January, the big bull redfish come in and the water temperatures in the sixties, it gets down into the fifties, and we're throwing bucktail jigs and laser uh uh one ounce to one and a half ounce jigs with uh seven inch laser tails on them at these big schools of redfish that come in by the thousands. Nice. I mean, and I mean, not, not a couple hundred fish. I'm talking like 500 to 1500 fish in a school. Wow. And when they surface and the water boils, it's like nothing you've ever seen. All 40 inches. And huh? it was really off. Oh, my biggest is 50 inches. That's the crazy. average fish is probably 33 to 38. Okay. With a lot of 40, 40s mixed in. Wow. I mean, it would. I always told my clients, guys, we have a very good opportunity today to catch a 40 inch fish. And out of that, out of the, my best day ever was 54 fish in four hours. Jesus. That's insane. What are you fishing with? Like tar- tarpon, tarpon gear? I mean, what do you use? 30 to uh, 50 five, pound rods? Using, yep. 15 to 30 pound class rods. Okay. 5,000 spinning reels. 30 pound braid and 40 to 50 pound leader with a one in, to a one to one and a half ounce jig. Wow. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it, there's days, of course, you know, it's slow. You have to catch the tides, right? Uh, you're always on your boat with binoculars. You're out in the bay looking for the birds diving or looking for the birds sitting. Cause if there's a large school of birds sitting, then you go to the, over that area, you kick your side scan on when side imaging came out on sonar, it, change that game totally because there'd be guys that would run around looking for fish you know and i'd go okay guys you know what throw off to the side of the boat as far as you can let it sink to the bottom jig it a few times you'll probably hook up and next thing you know all three rods boat up now is that is is how deep is that estuary is that is that deep as deep as tampa bay um, it's deeper. So oh, you have a it? channel just like Tampa Bay. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. You, you have the deep, you have the deep channel like Tampa Bay has where it's, you know, 40, 50, 60 foot for the ships to come through. But 
the average depth of Tampa Bay is probably 25, 30 feet. Oh, the average depth of Tampa Bay is less than that, my friend. The average depth of Tampa Bay is like six oh, or no, seven. Excuse me. I mean, excuse me, Pensacola Bay. I oh, okay. Yeah, okay. No, 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 I'm, oh, yeah, I was like, I yeah, Tampa, yeah. Tampa's like six feet of water. It's really shallow. Yeah, six feet. So, yeah. yeah, so Pensacola Bay is, you know, you've got the channel, and then, you, you know, I'm catching these reds in 25, 30 feet of water. Sometimes they'll school up in 15 to 20, right. but never on the flat. See, the flats fishing – in, in Pensacola was the ICW and that's grass flats and it's a different kind of grass. Um, I we remember didn't have mangroves. I remember spending a lot of time on the docks when we were there. Well, Don't you have a lot of docks on the ICW? Yeah, the docks on the ICW. Hundreds of right. thousands of them. Right, right. And you're throwing, you know, the gulp. When gulp came out years ago, we got into the gulp thing and then I kind of got tired of the gulp, you know, and I started switching to other things. The main lures I had on my boat were mirror lure. You know, I, I, I was probably throwing mirror lures before a lot of the other people ever even heard of them or whatever. I just, I found that bait. I liked it. And the 17 MR in the 808 color was my go-to bait in Pensacola. That's interesting. That was it. I, I, yeah, I had tons of them. And then I would use the, uh, when they came out with the heavy Dean, I started throwing the heavy Dean in anything deeper than five foot. So if I'm in deep water and five foot or more, I'm throwing the heavy Dean. Makes sense. And I never really went to the XL. Like the XL works better here in Tampa Bay. I mean, you'll catch a lot of trout here in Tampa Bay or in around, you know, Tarpon Springs area, stuff like that on the Miradine. But the XL, if you want that bigger fish, you throw the bigger. Have yeah. you seen? Now they have an XXL. Haven't seen it yet. You told yes, me about it. It's ridiculous. Yes, it's one of my favorites. And it's a bait you can just leave tied on. Just tie it on a rod, put the rod in your boat, you know, because of all the amounts of you know, mackerel schools, especially this time of year, it's summertime here. So, you know, mackerel schools right. and jacks and all that stuff that you can bonita, things you run across this time of the year at the mouth of Tampa Bay. It's perfect. You can throw it a country mile. It's a nice, it's not a really huge presentation, but it's, you know, obviously it's bigger than the XL. So it's a, it's a really, right. really, really neat bait. So, so let's talk. Yeah, I'm going to get some. Yeah, they're doing. So I'd also, I'd also use the, uh, I'd also use uh, soft plastics, and I was a big soft plastic guy. The paddle tail. Um, I was using the bait out of Louisiana called uh, Matrix Shad. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. I throw it down here. I have uh, it Comes in a variety of colors, and it's a great, great trout bait and a little redfish bait. Uh, I've thrown it down here and caught multiple trout with it. Whenever I throw the artificials. Who's who's and, uh, who's uh, the maker? Uh, who's the who's the company? Is it Matrix? Matrix Shad. Okay. Matrix, Matrix Shad. Matrix Shad is the name of the... Louis- okay. That's the name, the name of the... the bait. They make bait. Yeah, they make Matrix Shad and Vortex Shad, and it's actually out of Louisiana. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and I love the bait. It's a great soft plastic it's bait. It's a cool name. But, I mean, you know... If you're, if you're, you know, if you're into your DOAs or if you're into your bass assassins and you, you know, that kind of thing, just find what works. You know, everybody says confidence in a bait. I believe that. If you have confidence in that bait, you're going to catch fish on it if you work it. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, I'm a big believer in confidence as well. So tell me about your transition here. Uh, on to Tampa Bay. Um, I'm assuming that when you, you know, being an artificial guy in Pensacola, uh, you immediately probably tried to do the same thing here and didn't find it quite as successful. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, when I first <laughs> moved tough. here, you want you want to hear you want to hear what brought me here? Oh well, yeah, tell me that too, for sure. Okay, so so here's what happened. I'm Another thinking I'm thinking you follow, I'm thinking you followed the redhead. Yeah, no, actually, she followed me. Oh, really? She followed me. I was the one that brought us here, pretty much, yeah. 
Um, my last year guiding in Pensacola full time, I ran 38 trips in June. I was wore out. I was running nonstop. You know, um, I was just, you know, I was a very, you know, I had a very good business and I left a very good business. But the reason I left a very good business is because I had a very bad health scare in 2016 where this, you know, John boy wasn't almost wasn't here anymore. Right. I caught a virus that attacked my liver. I went in the hospital and my wife and I had that talk that a husband and wife don't ever want to have a talk about because they didn't know if I was going to make it out. And I don't know how I caught it to this day. It attacked my liver and I went from a normal, healthy person that was, you know, 49 years old and 52 now to, you know, literally they were going to put me in ICU and put me on a liver transplant list. Wow. Yeah. It scared, you know, scared my wife and I pretty bad. And she's like, you know, okay, you're, you're working too much. And then, you know, it started making me think about retirement and life and what I've done in my life and that kind of thing. And, you know, my son had graduated. Uh, he went to FSU, then went to FAU for grad school and he was moved on and we're empty nesters. And I looked at my wife and I said, I don't want to stay in Pensacola anymore. I've done everything I can do. Maybe God's given me a second chance to do some things. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And she goes, you know, um, let's, let's look around. So we came down to, uh, to Tampa, looked around and kind of fell in love with it. And then I said, you want to make a move? And she's like, yeah, let's make a new chapter in our life, which was scary again. You know, and we went, we went from Indiana, you know, me not knowing anything about saltwater fishing, having to learn, then had to come down here. And I remember you telling me when you and I met years ago and we never met in person, but we met over the phone. Yeah, you you were, say met. Well, you were we one, you, you were one of my original writers for the real animals website. When we first started doing fishing reports from all over the, uh, all over the state of Florida, you were one of our, uh, original writers, actually. That's yeah, how we well, met. you know, back, backtracking a little bit. I wrote for Florida sport fishing magazine for 12 years oh, okay. and, uh, my wife's got, yeah, my wife's got an English degree. So she was kind of my ghost writer, but there was an article done in Pensacola. A writer came down and he asked me, he goes, Hey, would you take me out? I'll do an article. You'll get some publicity, that kind of thing. And it was, I was new into guiding and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll jump all over that especially being new. So I jumped on that. And then the article came out. My wife looked at it. She goes, you know, you could do that. She goes, I've got an English degree. You know how to write in technical terms about fishing. Let's write an article and send it to the editor. So we did. And I took pictures and sent it in. And he said, Hey, can you send me one about every two or three months? And I was like, you got it. So I did it for 12 years. That's cool. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was pretty neat. And that's what got me in where I started making contacts with different companies. I saw an opening there to where, because sponsorship years ago, and I've heard this through other podcasts and stuff, nobody knew what really sponsorship was, and I didn't either. And, you know, I was, I kind of thought it was weird to say, hey, I'm writing these articles. Can you guys give me a discount on some product? You know, I'm a guide here. I run this many trips. And at the time, some people knew about sponsorship. Some people didn't, you know, do, you know, do, do I ask for it free? Do I ask for a discount? You don't know those kind of things cause you're new in the business. And so I made some really, really good contacts with some different companies when I first started out and I still have those good contacts today, which is really nice. Yeah, that is. So that opened cool. a big door. Yeah. It opened a good door for me. But, uh, but when I came to, when I came down to Tampa to come back, I don't know, we got a track there, but when I came back to Tampa, and we decided to move here. You're, you're 
you basically, how did I learn it is what you're wondering, right? Well, I just, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, what were you, what were you thinking initially when you hit the waters here? Obviously it's a, it's a big body of water. It's different, a lot, a lot more shallow, uh, all those things. Did you try to attack it with artificials? And, you know, if you did, how, did, yes. you know, you said it was, it was difficult. I, I can't even imagine, you know, we, we talked to guys. I, I truly believe, you know, when we've done, tournaments all over the tour you know years ago when i was on tour and and guys would come visit us here like the guys from louisiana and other parts of the state would come and they'd be like god dang your fish won't sit still for nothing they're spooky and we're like man if you can catch them here you can catch them anywhere i mean i know you thought that about pensacola but we were thinking we always think that about here because we have our fish have so much pressure i mean they're constantly being bombarded yeah, your fishing's harder here, harder than I thought it was going to be. Your guides work way harder than any guide that I could imagine. I didn't realize how hard your captains work here to make a living. So, I mean, I give props to every captain that gets up every morning and goes throws a net. This job is not an easy job. It's, I mean, especially in this area. It's not like when I was in the panhandle. I could get up, have my boat hooked up, go meet my clients at 530, shake hands, get them on the boat. We're tossing lures in 10 minutes. At 9.30, 10 o'clock, I'm shaking their hands right. after I clean a few fish, say goodbye. I'm home at my house on the couch at 12. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, uh, we don't get, you know. we don't get quite, uh, we don't get away with that here. The other thing I think here, guiding in the west coast of Florida, this region right here, you know, Charlotte Harbor, you know, on up through, uh, Clearwater area, um, maybe even up into Newport Ritchie and all that stuff. To me, it's 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 a young man's game because the older you get the harder it gets to throw the net you know 25 or 30 oh, yeah. times in the morning before you ever get started especially when you roll into summertime and it's you know when you launch your boat in the dark and you're already looking at 90 degree temps before the sun's even broke um that makes exactly. it that makes it really challenging i'll tell you the last couple of days i've been on the water here and it was just miserable hot we had a full moon. The bite was tough. Bait was tough. The bait got squirrely on us like it often does on the moons. It's really, really challenging. There's no doubt about it. So I feel you. And that's why I'm so amazed that you were able to make this transition and, and do it as well as well, you've done it. Because I, I had some, I got, I had some help and I'll explain how I got some help too. I just, I just didn't do this all by myself. I did have a, a little bit of help, but going back when I first got here, I did basically what I was used to, just like probably anybody would, is I went to my grassroots, start, you know, I picked out some artificials, I went out, hit some spots, and I moved here in September of 2016. So I had missed the hot summer, which was probably a good thing. And um, I started throwing the Miradine and some bass assassin jerks, uh, five inch and seven inch jerk sheds and the paddle tail that I was used to, the Matrix. And I was throwing that and I was catching a couple fish. I think that within the first week, uh, the biggest snook I'd caught was like a 31 and a half inch snook on a bass assassin. And I told a couple guys, they're like, you did? And I'm like, yeah. And they said, where'd you catch it? I said, over at Weedon Island. And they're like, you caught a <laughs> uh, 31 inch snook on a bass assassin at Weedon? I said, yeah. And I, he goes, how many snook did you get for the day? I said, oh, I don't know, like 10. He goes, that's, that's pretty good. And I was like, well, how many did you get? And he goes, oh, I got 30. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, and then I was, you know, I was learning and I saw a bunch of guys throwing nets. I'd never thrown a net 
I didn't know how to throw a net very well. I mean, I threw off in the panhandle for, for Menhaden, you know, for King Mackerel and for chunks of Menhaden and stuff like that. But I wasn't proficient, anything like I am now, like the guys that do it here. So I had to learn how to throw a net. And I got to thinking down here, okay, all the charter guys are throwing nets. You know, they're catching live bait. This is what they're doing. So, you know, the old saying, when in Rome, that's what I did. <laughs> I went and, and basically followed, you know, everybody just like, a, you know, I was the one of the ducks in the row and I'm doing everything everybody else is doing and I'm learning. But like I said, I went out in Tampa Bay and I cut it up into sections and I got lucky. Um, I met a couple of really nice guys. Uh, Brian Lim, uh, Liminen, uh, Brian Limelin, excuse me. He's a captain down in Ruskin and he used to work at the Gander mountain. He was a manager. And when we got our apartment, we first moved here cause we didn't know where we were going to buy a house yet. I met him and he said, Hey, you want to jump on the boat with me? I'm from here. You know, if you like to fish, I'm like, yeah, man, cool. So I saw an opportunity to learn a little bit of the area. So he took me around Ruskin a little bit. So I learned with him a little bit. And then captain James beers, uh, at Tampa fishing outfitters, I got a job there part-time. And, you know, he and I are friends and he took me out and showed me a few things. And then Captain Mike Cole took me out and showed me a few things because I came, he was working there and I became friends with him. So I had a little bit of help, which was nice, but I took their help and then I kept going out more because they couldn't fish with me as much as I wanted to know. I mean, if I could have, I was like, guys, jump on the boat every day with me, please, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but, but they couldn't. So I took what little stuff they showed me. And then it's just like anything when you take anything, you try to make it your own. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. you know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they helped me out and I learned and I, I cut it up in sections. I mean, you know, the bottom of my boat's all scratched up because I fish a lot of upper bay. When I first moved here, you know, I found some oyster bars that I didn't know were there because of my boat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know, know, it'll happen. I did, I did that the other, I did that the other day in an area that I've been fishing there for 20 years now. I still found an oyster bar and I knew the oyster bar was there and I still ended up hitting it like a bonehead. So, right. You know, that, that stuff happens. No doubt. That's interesting. But that's what I did. I, I, yeah. I broke it down in sections and I basically said, okay, I'm going to fish this. And then I, you know, I fish with these guys every once in a while, but I would break it down in sections is what I did to Tampa Bay. And of course, I don't know every bit of Tampa Bay, but I know bits and pieces. I know a little bit of Fort DeSoto. I know a little bit of uh, of South Shore. I know a little bit of St. Pete. I know a little bit, well, I know a lot from the Gandy area up. I know that area very well because I fish that area a lot. Right. Um, but I need to, you know, always hear people say, you know, you need to sometimes not go fishing to fish. Sometimes it's just go fishing you know, or go fishing to catch fish. It's go fishing to look for fish and stuff like that. And I think I need to start doing that more. It's hard to do that because when you go out, you want to catch fish. Everybody does. But I think what makes people a better fisherman, and it did me, is when I came down here, I didn't know anything about this area. Now, granted, I guided for a long time, so I had an understanding of how water worked, how fish thought. I know that sounds weird, but I did. I understood why when, when tidal flow moves why fish stage off on a drop off and why they were on certain points and stuff like that. I, from all the guys, uh, all the years of guiding up the panhandle, I understood those things. So I incorporated it down here. So it's not like I'd never fished before and I was totally coming in blind as a brand new fisherman. I think that helped a lot. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think that fishermen, you know, that can figure it out in one place. I think if you put them in another estuary, I think if they were successful from in, in wherever they were from, they'll be successful in their new place as well. Just being able to kind of tackle those, uh, those challenges, understanding fish and the way they move and the way they work and the way they sit and the way they travel and those types of things. I think, uh, I think that, uh, probably helped you out. A great deal. Again, it's one of the it's one of the stories um, around the Bay Area. Obviously, we've got you know probably fifteen hundred, two thousand charter captains in the vast Tampa Bay area. You know, Sarasota, Clearwater, Tampa Bay, this whole big estuary here. But I think you have a very unique uh, unique story there, John. I think it's uh, it's one that you should be proud of. I know, uh, again, you were one of my favorite people up there in the panhandle. You come down here, you learn the estuary well, you get rolling, and, and you know now you're one of my favorite guys here on Tampa Bay. So I think you should give yourself good big kudos, brother. I think you've done a, done a nice job. Rivers, Rivers to Bay Fishing Charters is the name of John's business. And again, I think your transformation from Panhandle Guide to West Coast uh, Florida guy, Tampa Guide. Uh, you've done a really good job, brother. Nice work. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I'm still learning. It, you know, every day is a learning experience when I go out. Uh, my goal is to, when they have these corporate tournaments and they have these slam tournaments, yep. is, you know, I'm, I'm a little competitive. And, you know, that's just the nature. Just like I think you know, any fisherman's a little competitive. They always want to catch the bigger fish and stuff like that, which is fine. Like, it's great. You know, my goal is there's some guys you always see on the top. They're like, man, that guy's always catching. He's always got the big snooker. He's always getting the slam. My goal is to one day be in, hey, I don't want to win it, but I want to be close to him. I'd maybe I'd like to win it, but at least, you know, I'd, I'd like to turn a few heads going, hey, man, that guy just moved here five years ago and he's already he's on our coattails. We, uh, we, we better, you know, up our game because he's going to catch us if he doesn't, you know, if we don't watch out. Yeah. You just, picks, you know, which he, makes every pick something there to challenge yourself with. And that's, uh, I think that's always the, uh, that's a good sign of a good tournament fisherman real quick. We're going to wrap this thing up. Give me one tip. Well, something we could give people to make them better fishermen, uh, not only just here on Tampa Bay, but anywhere where they're fishing. What's, what's a tip that you can give them, John, something you think that'll help them out. All right. So when you go into an area that you've never fished before, a couple of key factors. One is use Google Earth. That is probably going to be your best friend. Get on Google Earth and pick out a small area that you want to fish. Look, look at the shallow areas and the deep areas, and you'll be able to tell that from the different contour colors on Google Earth in the bay. The second thing is look at the tides. Um, Go, you know, find out what the tide is that day and then go to a, lock, a local tackle store, um, you know, not your big, big, you know, discount stores. Go to a local mom and pop tackle store because it usually has kids that are working there that fish and say, hey, how's the fishing been at such and such a spot? They're not going to tell you where they're catching them, of course, but they'll give you an idea of what's going on. Right. And then take that and that kind of thing and go out and work that little area a couple of times either on the low, the high, or the incoming or outgoing, try a couple of different areas. And when you figure that small little area out, then when you go to the other areas, it's probably going to be real similar to that piece of pie that you just picked out. Put a pattern together uh, in one part of that estuary, and it should hold true in most of that estuary. I like it. Yes, that's what I did in uh, the upper bay. Now, granted, you know, certain sides of the bay have, you know, are warmer than uh, I've noticed that Tampa Bay, the, the, the temperature between 
the east and the west side of Tampa Bay can be two or three degrees sometimes. Yeah, the way the water flows in the bay, there's a lot of uh, yep. there's a lot of variables mm-hmm. into that as as well. So and and then also, you know, not to not to try to tell somebody to go hire a guide. You know, if some people can't afford it, but if you can hire a captain, I always told this to people that came up in the panhandle when they hired me. Hey, I got a boat. You know, I'm learning the area. Here's what you do: you hire me. Let me take you out and show you what we do. You hire me two to three times a year, and you'll never have to hire me again unless you have a bunch of family come in and you don't, you don't want to run your boat. Right. But if you hire me two or three times a year and let me just kind of give you the basics on what to do, I will save you five years of spinning your wheels. No doubt. No doubt. It's the fastest way to learn, and in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, is to hire a guy that's local. You know, and go and and let him kind of show you what works in that area, and you know, be upfront with him. Let him know you're you have a boat, and you, that you're not trying to steal his spots or anything like that. Just say, hey, I got a boat. I want to, you know, I want to learn the area. I love to fish. I'm hiring you to show me how to take my family out and put them on fish. How do I do that? And I can guarantee you, if you're upfront with that captain and telling that. He's going to bust his butt and take you out and show you a really good time. And, and, you know, you'll learn some things and you won't go out with your mom, uh, your wife and your kids going, Oh gosh, I got to put, you know, little Johnny on some fish today. And I don't know what to do. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Well done, my friend. Good talking to you. Great getting caught up. Captain John rivers, rivers to Bay fishing charters. You can look him up online. Just a, a great, great Tampa Bay guide here doing a great job. Good friend of mine. Thanks for your time today, John. We appreciate you, brother. You're welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me. Hope you guys enjoyed that edition of the Real Animals podcast. My good friend, Captain John Rivers, I told you, really an interesting story. Just a great guy, former U.S. Marine. And again, you know, figuring out how to guide on two different estuaries on Florida's West Coast, I think is just such a great, great story. We really appreciate you checking out the real animals podcast which is again presented by contender boats remember the real animals podcast available on apple podcast stitcher tune in google play and ritampabay.com please remember to subscribe rate and review and if there's anybody out there you'd like to hear us do a podcast with feel free to reach out to us through realanimals.com make sure you follow us on facebook at facebook slash real animals and on instagram at real animals tv you can follow us on twitter as well at real animals fish thanks for tuning in we appreciate you guys have a great day radio influence tampa bay is always interested in adding new podcasts that are focused solely on the tampa bay area if you have an existing podcast that fits the bill or have an idea that you want to bring to life email us at contact at radioinfluence.com radio influence and radio influence tampa bay the future is now